Please turn with me to James chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to open up your word once again. And we do ask for help. I ask that you would help me to to preach your word faithfully. We ask for the Spirit's help in applying the word to our hearts and our lives. Open up to us, Father, the the, the treasure in this text and convict us and change us where we need to be changed and help us to be faithful to you, to be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So James makes a transition in our text today. We had for the last few weeks this call to repentance and James changes gears here and goes back to essentially dealing with an issue of the tongue. And this fits well together. He finished the previous section by repeating the need to be humble, something, something he emphasized multiple times in that section. He said, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And this is part of his call to repentance. Humble yourself in repentance and he will exalt you. But now he moves into one of the signs that a person really is not filled with humility. So, so these verses can be summarized by, by saying he, he's now addressing critical speech. And the person who, who has critical speech is, is anything but humble. And so this is how he, he transitions the conversation. And, and he starts this by saying, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. What does it mean to speak evil? It means to slander. This could be defined as to charge falsely or with malicious intent to attack the good name and reputation of someone. This is not an issue today, is it? Not really relevant to us, right? John Gill said, speaking evil, speaking evil of someone is, is done either by raising false reports and bringing false charges or by aggravating failings and infirmities or by lessening and depreciating characters and endeavoring to bring others into discredit and disesteem among men. Slander 
is a great sin in God's eyes. We're told in Leviticus 19, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You don't do this, God says. Proverbs 6, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And one of these is a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brethren, slanderers. We just read this morning in Exodus 23 about bearing false witness. You don't do this. And essentially, by bearing false witness, what are you doing? You're slandering. If I say that you did something that you did not do, what am I doing? I am slandering you. When we, when we think of it this way, a lot of the Old Testament actually deals with the issue of slander. We saw recently in Jeremiah that slander was, was one of the reasons why God's people were under such severe judgment. Jeremiah says every, every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. And God was going to bring a, a very severe judgment to them. And that was one of the reasons they, they, they slander one another. And he says in Jeremiah 6, 28, they are all stubbornly rebellious, going about with slanderers. They are bronze and iron. All of them act corruptly. And part of the issue with slander is, is how damaging and how devastating it is. What, 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 lead, what led to, to Eve's fall in the garden? What, what caused her to sin? It was the devil doing what? Slandering God. MacArthur points out that that slander originated in the Garden of Eden, perpetrated by Satan, whose other common title, devil, fitly means slanderer. Key to his successful temptation of Eve were his slanderous misrepresentation of God's character and motives. What What did the serpent say? Indeed, has God really said? And here he, he slandered God's integrity, MacArthur points out. And then he says he, he also slandered God's motives. God knows that in the day you eat from it, you, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And what was he doing here? He was implying God was selfishly withholding something good from Adam and Eve. Thus, the first act of slander in human history led directly to the first sin. What, what did that slander do? It implanted something into Eve's mind. Maybe I shouldn't trust God's authority and integrity. Maybe, you know what? Maybe God is actually withholding something from us that would make us much better, that would make life much more enjoyable. And since he's withholding this from me, I should probably eat this so that I can have what he doesn't really want me to have because it's good. He mischaracterized God, causing Eve to bring mankind into sin. And I would add to that that Adam also did what? He turned around and slandered God. It was the woman you gave me. God, this has something to do with your character. You gave me the type of person who would do this. He implied that God had some guilt in what was taking place, slandering God's character as though somehow... God had something to do with their sin. And we can think of churches, 
and marriages and homes and and, and businesses and organizations and, and even armies in the Old Testament that have been destroyed because of slander. Think of one of the cases where, where David sends men to go and, and comfort someone after death. And, 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 and what does the advisors there say? These men are not here to comfort you. They're spies. Planting little seeds in that man's head which caused him to wage war and get destroyed. Why? Because of slander. Notice also he, he says, brethren. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. So, so he's now left off the, the adulteresses, the, the double-minded, the, the, the sinners. And, and he's getting back to his terms of endearment, brethren. And why is he doing this? This adds offense to slander. We, we expect the, the world to slander us, right? We, we expect this. But, but should this be the case within the church? You see, we have no business slandering one another. Matthew Henry puts it this way, since Christians are brethren, they should not defile nor defame one another. It is required of us that we be tender of the good name of our brethren where we cannot speak well. We had better say nothing than speak evil. MacArthur says if fellow believers are viewed as those chosen by God before the foundation of the world for whom Christ died, who are loved and honored by God, and with whom we will spend eternity in heaven, we will seek to honor, love, and protect them. But they don't agree with me, right? They said something false, so I don't need to protect them anymore. I need to, I need to bash them. He says, brethren. And then he, he mentions a, one of the implications of slander. What, what are you actually doing when, when, you're, when you're slandering? Well, we could say many things, but this is where James leads us. He says, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Slander and, and judging here go, go hand in hand. MacArthur notes that, judge, that judges does not refer to evaluation here, but to condemnation. This is a, a, a rash thing, a, a rash Judgment, interpreting men's words and their actions and their deeds and their motives and condemning them harshly. This is referring to being overly harsh and, uh, and critical in our assessment of others. This is not taking a person in, who, who is clearly sinning and, and taking them aside and, and humbly saying, you're, you're wrong here. No, this is not doing that. This is harshly condemning them. You, you believe this, I hate you now in my heart. Because you disagree with me. And you condemn them. This is what they believe? I, I doubt that they're even saved. This is what we do, is it not? This is referring to a critical spirit. Being so rash and so critical in our judgment of others that, that we even begin to judge their motives. 
Some of us need to stop watching cooking shows where you have judges that, that critique everything because this is how we then begin to live life. Well, you did this and you said this, but I don't really like that. And I don't like this. And, and we just have this critical attitude where, where, we, where we have to criticize everything that a person does and we, and we examine their lives under a microscope and we find everything wrong with them and, and, and we, we have this, this critical opinion, this harsh opinion of them because of these things. Our Lord addressed this in Matthew 7. Judge not that you be not judged. The most misquoted text in society today. What was our Lord saying? He, he wasn't saying, don't be discerning. He, he wasn't saying, you, you know, you don't, you don't look at a person sinning and correct them for that. You don't, you don't do that. But that's not what he was saying, was it? Do, do not harshly condemn people. Do, do you want people harshly condemning you? This is the the action of of a person with a critical spirit. One commentator says that the context makes it clear that the thing here condemned is that disposition to look unfavorably on the character and action of others, which leads invariably to the pronouncing of rash, unjust, and unlovely judgments upon them. Person disagrees with you, and now all of a sudden you know everything about their character in your mind. Oh, I know what you believe about this now, I know what you believe about that now. You don't even have to tell me, you don't have to try to defend yourself. I know everything about you, and I have condemned you in my mind and my heart. But we can clearly see this connection between a, a critical spirit and slander, they, they go hand in hand. MacArthur notes that the the first step in avoiding the sin of slander is not keeping one's lips sealed, but keeping one's thoughts about others right. You want to avoid slander. How do you think about others? Listen, if your thoughts about others is usually critical, slander is not far behind. And let us consider the pride behind slander. He says, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. It seems that in this context, James is addressing Christians who are disagreeing with one another. He started the chapter by talking about fights and quarrels that are happening within the church. Moo points out that quarrels over most issues usually end up including personal attacks and judgmental attitudes. You don't know anything about that here, do you? You know lots about that here. But that's the backdrop. Christians, as a result of their fighting, their disagreements, their quarrels, begin to slander and to condemn one another. And to help set the stage a little farther, let, let us just consider that we are also prone to hypocrisy. Remember how I pointed out with, with, with David, how he was outraged when Nathan came to him and gave him this parable. He's outraged, not at his own sin, but at the sin in the person in the parable, not realizing that the sinner in the parable is him. And he's more outraged at the fact that somebody stole a lamb than he is that he murdered and committed adultery. 
This is a, a hypocrisy that we are all prone to. This is what Christ was referring to when he says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And listen, this is not even saying don't remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's it's simply saying don't be a hypocrite about this. Well, was David wrong for, for being outraged at the fact that an injustice was taking place? No. But he was so blind that he couldn't see it was him who had done this injustice. He needed to remove the plank. So now combine these two things. Fighting Christians who have a critical spirit combined with a proneness to hypocrisy. A proneness to hypocritically see others' sins and not their own. And what do these two ingredients lead to? Two Christians disagree with one another. Perhaps one believes that the other is is wrong on some point of doctrine. And because he thinks this man is wrong, he, he condemns him in his heart, thinking critically about him. He's wrong about this issue, and, 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 and now I just have this critical spirit. He's wrong about that. He must be wrong about a lot of things, and, and he must be immoral. And I come up with all of these things. I condemn him in my heart, and I judge him, and, and I assume the worst about him and his motives. And I even begin to slander him because of this. Why? Because what he believes is so bad that other people need to know about it. And they need to know about not just the things he said, but I know what he meant by what he said. So I'm going to tell you about those things as well. And I can read his heart. I know what he's thinking. And I'm going to tell you those things as well. And you're slandering. And the person who is doing this slandering is doing this in the name of of being the great defender of the Christian faith. Slandering in the name of righteousness. And this happens all the time within the church. I need to be a hero and warn everyone about this person, so I'm going to slander him. Because I love God's law, I'm going to tell everyone about this person I disagree with, and I'm going to paint the worst picture of him I possibly can so that it is clear to everyone just how much of a lawbreaker he really is, even to the point of negatively misrepresenting him, which is slander. And this is all being done in the name of me upholding the truth. How many of us have seen that? Probably most. But, but now, how is this speaking evil of the law? What is James getting at? Harsh judging and slander does not fulfill the command to love your neighbor as yourself. It's bearing false witness against your neighbor. It's destroying your neighbor, destroying his testimony, destroying his character, misrepresenting him. So if you are slandering, breaking God's law in the name of correcting people who you believe are not obedient to the law, you are being a hypocrite. And by doing this, you misrepresent the law, which is speaking evil against it. 
The, the, the person who slanders another in the name of confronting others for not obeying Scripture is misrepresenting God. He is saying that, that God's law allows for what he is doing when it actually condemns it. In that sense, he is speaking evil of the law. That the person who is slandering while not acknowledging their sin is saying that, that the law does not condemn what they are doing. If I disagree with you and, and, and I say I am the correct one in this situation, I am the one holding to the biblical truth, I am the one accurately representing God's word and law in this disagreement, I am the orthodox one. If I say that and at the same time slander you to prove it, I'm saying that my slander is okay, that I'm not violating God's law, which means I'm misrepresenting God's law, and I'm actually speaking evil of God's law by saying it allows for us to slander one another as long as the situation is justified by how bad they are or what I disagree with. What we're saying that my actions are calling good what God has called evil. My, my actions are calling good what is a clear violation of the command to love my neighbor. But, but you don't know how bad he is. He, pe- listen, people need to be warned against his teaching. And if I paint a worse picture and I assume his motives and I reveal his motives, then, then other people will be adequately warned and they will stay away from his false teaching. And so I say the ends justify the means. And I say that I'm the righteous one in this, in this situation while I'm slandering. I'm misrepresenting his law. I'm speaking evil against his law. And again, how, how common is this today? We have discernment bloggers and, and Christian journalists who, who don't know what they're talking about, but they, but they get as little information, they get as little bit of information, as much as they can, and they come to a conclusion, and they put it on the internet, and a man's name is totally slandered. Why? Because I need to be warning people of every evil person out there. If there's one preacher out there who, who is saying something false or, or something bad is happening in their church, it is my life's mission to find out and to let the whole world know. And I don't care who I take out in the process. But this happens in many ways, doesn't it? We say women are, are not allowed to preach or, or to have authority over men. And, and, and what do others say? Oh, you mean you don't value women. That's what you mean, right? Yeah, these people over there, they don't value women. They don't believe that women are equal because they don't allow women to preach. That, that's slander. Oh, you believe in God's law. That church is legalistic. I wouldn't go there if I were you. Really? Believing that, that God's law still exists, that, it, that it's valid, is, is legalistic? But, but this is, these are the type of things that we hear. Or, or a person who, who says, you know, I, I actually believe that, that, that God's law in the Old Testament represents justice. It represents what, what God believes is just in a situation. And, and how do people interpret that? Those people over there, they want to start stoning homosexuals and disobedient children in the streets. What is that? Slander. That's, that's exactly what it is. It's slander. CRT, it's unbiblical. That church is racist. 
This is, this is what we see over and over again. And, and we can do this ourselves. You, you baptize babies? Oh, you mean that you believe in baptismal regeneration? Misrepresentation. Oh, you don't baptize your babies. That means you don't disciple your children, right? The, the, the slander just happens over and over again. Why? Because instead of understanding what a person actually says, we assume and we judge them based upon that and we're critical. We see this with David. I've been picking on David a lot, so, so I'm going to vindicate him a little bit now. How many people say David was a rapist? Some of you may hear that and say it's true. What are you talking about? But, but how do we get to this point where, where we say that David raped Bathsheba? We, we read things into the text that are not there. For example, one, one person wrote that if you don't think that, that David raped Bathsheba, you don't understand power dynamics. So in other words, because David is a king and this is a woman, we have to assume that if they had sexual relations, that, that it was rape automatically. That's slander. Was David bad? Yes. He was a murderer. He committed adultery. Is it just okay to just throw rape on top of the charge? Is that just okay? No, it's not. It's slander. That this is evil in God's eyes. This is one of the reasons why his people was judged there in Jeremiah. God does not like this. It's an abomination in his eyes to misrepresent people. Because by doing this, we are misrepresenting the truth. We are slandering our brothers. But not only does James says this is to speak evil of the law. But he says it's also to judge the law. Now, what does that mean? How is me slandering my brother and judging my brother judging the law? You are judging the law by saying, you know what? I don't think slander is actually wrong. That's what your actions say. I don't think slander is wrong. In fact, I think it's justifiable in this situation. I say slander is necessary in this situation in order to steer people away from the errors of this person. And whether you say that out loud or not, if you do it, that's what you actually believe. And if you actually believe that, you've made a judgment call. And you said, you know what? God doesn't come down hard enough on, on what this person believes, but he comes down too harsh on, on slander. So you know what? I'm going to just ignore that, and I'm going to say slander is justifiable in this situation because their sin, whatever I disagree with them on, is so bad, it's so wrong, that everyone needs to know, even if slander has to happen. We're making a judgment call. And saying that, we believe that we're in a position to say, I can make a determination of whether or not slander is right or wrong in this situation. And again, no one would say that outwardly. No one would say that. But if you do it, that's what you actually believe. This is what the Pharisees did, didn't they? Extended the law in certain areas. You know what? God wasn't strict enough here. Let, let's tighten the ropes a little bit. While in other areas, they completely disregarded the law. 
holding their traditions above the law of God. This is what Christ condemned them for. Listen, you, 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 you annul the law of God for the sake of your traditions. They're zealous for traditions and, and they disregard the law in certain areas. What were they doing? They were judging the law. They were saying, we stand as judges here and we, we, we have determined we don't like God's law here in this area and we want this tradition and we think that this tradition over here is actually better than God's law right here. You, you're, you're acting like a judge at that point in time. This this is what James is saying. By doing this, you're actually setting yourself up or trying to set yourself up above the law. James says, but if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. What are we supposed to be? Doers? Are judges? I think we know the answer to that. Sproul said, "When when we seek falsely against a, a when we seek when we speak falsely against a fellow believer, we speak not only against the person but against the law of God. The slanderer sets himself illicitly as a judge above the law." Our job is to obey the law, to obey Scripture in whatever it says, not to question whether or not the Scripture is correct. It's not for us to make a determination that, that God should have been more lax in this area and stricter in this area, but that's what we do when we think that slander is okay while we're judging someone else's sin. We are to be doers. Not judges above the law. We are to be obedient in all things. By the way, do you see the pride being manifested here? It is pride that that makes a person believe that it is okay for them to disregard God's law while they condemn others for whatever reason. That's pride. I'm going to sinfully slander you because of sin you're committing. Why? Because I want you to stop committing sin. But I'm, I, but I'm sinning in order to stop you from sinning. What is that? Well, my slander is not a big deal. But your sin, that's, that's heinous. That's pride. We think more highly of ourselves and we don't think, we don't think much of our sin. It is pride for a person that, to, that, that, that has a, a log in his eye to slander his brother because of the splinter in his eye. It is pride that causes us to ignore our own sins, being blind to our own sins while being outraged at the sins of others. It is pride that makes us so zealous to condemn or discredit others that we are willing to sinfully slander them if necessary. It is pride that makes us think that we are somehow above the law, that, that we can make a determination that, that the end justifies the means in this situation. That's pride. That's not humility. Humility says, God's law says I'm to love my neighbor. So, so whatever I do, I, I can't slander him. Pride says, you know what, God, you, you, you sit back right now. Let me handle this my way. That, that's pride. It's arrogance. But it even goes beyond just a, a pride. It, it goes beyond just what we think of ourselves. It goes to what we actually think of God. He says in verse 12, 
There's one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Why is James pointing out that there's only one judge and lawgiver? Because the person who places himself above the law as judge is doing what? Trying to place himself above the law giver. This is what he's doing. He's trying to place himself above God. It's not just a little issue of pride. It's great pride to say, you know what, God, I know you are the ultimate judge and the lawgiver, but I have something to say now, and I need to condemn this person, and I need to judge this person in a way that you're not willing to do right now. You're saying, you know what, I'm above God right now. MacArthur says, the desire to usurp the place of God has been the essence of every sin ever committed. Sin seeks to dethrone God, to remove him as supreme lawgiver and judge and and rule in his place. That's what we're saying when the end justifies the means. I'm the lawgiver. I'm the captain of this ship. God didn't do this right. So you know what? I'm going to step up and make sure justice is done my way. God's not doing this fast enough. Let me show him how it's done. Think of the, the pride and the, and the arrogance of that. No man gets to determine what, what, is, what is right and wrong. That, that is reserved for God alone. J- James is essentially saying, who do you think you are? God is the only lawgiver and judge. Who who do you think you are? This is what James is saying. No man gets to stand above the law and say that slander is necessary and good to make sure people are not fooled by this person's errors. But that's what we do when we condemn our brothers and sisters and misrepresent them and slander them. Douglas Moo says, since James contrasts judging the law and keeping it, he apparently thinks that failure to do the law implies implies a denial of the law's authority. We don't believe it's authoritative if we don't do it. However high and orthodox our view of God's law might be, a failure actually to do it says to the world that we do not, in fact, put much store by it. Again, we see coming to the surface James' understanding of Christianity as something whose reality is to be tested by the measure of obedience. What do you really think about God? You're slandering people because you say you believe in justice. You don't really believe in justice if you are breaking God's law to do it. You don't believe, you, listen, you're slandering someone because they don't believe that God is authoritative. And you don't believe that God is authoritative either if you're willing to slander them to do it. Your obedience, our lack of obedience, says what you actually believe. This is a test of, of true faith like James does over and over again. What do my actions say about me? Is is there enough humility in me to to prevent me from harshly condemning others in my mind and eventually slandering them? 
Is there enough humility in me to cause me to submit to the law as a doer instead of setting myself up as a judge of the law? Or am I so overwhelmingly filled with pride, thinking so highly of myself that that I harshly and rashly condemn everyone I disagree with? And I make it my personal mission to discredit and destroy them, even if it takes slandering. Slander is a manifestation of pride in the heart. Moses says, speaking evil of others is a manifestation of the pride that God resists, and which is to be avoided by humility before God. Are you guilty of slander, dear friends? Misrepresenting the truth about others to prove a point or to make yourself look better. Or to, or, or, or to discredit a person or, or for whatever other thousand reasons we could have for doing this. Are, are you guilty of this? If you have practiced this, confess your sins to the Lord. And he, he is faithful and just to, to, to forgive you, but you need to make this right. If you have misrepresented people, you need to, to make that right. And, and repent of this, this sin of pride because what does James says? What does James say? He says that God resists the proud. He stands in opposition to the proud and gives grace to the humble. But do you see the irony in that? There is a person so zealous for truth that he's slandering people to try to stop others from, from hearing falsehood. But he's slandering in order to do this. He's letting pride reign in him in order to do this. It's his pride. Listen, he thinks that he's doing something righteously, but, but pride is making him do this, and he's setting himself up in opposition to God in the name of defending God. This is absurdity. But that's what happens. This is a sin of pride. How dare you disagree with me? How dare you be wrong and and tell others wrong things? You must be destroyed. It's a good thing God didn't feel that way about us. How many times have you changed your theology? How many times have you changed your convictions? Listen, some of us We'll change our theology tomorrow and we're ready to persecute everybody who disagrees with us after believing that for one day. What is that? That's pride. That, that's simple pride. And we need to deal with our hearts. Listen, whatever, whatever truth you understand has been revealed to you by whom? Is it your big brain? No. By God. Let me ask you a question. What have you received that has not been given to you by God? Zero. Nothing. Why would we be proud? Why would we look at other people and say, you stupid heretics, why would you believe this? Why would we feel that way? We think we're better. That's pride. It's arrogance. 
If you would just study the scriptures like me, then you would come to the truth. I find it interesting that, that a person like MacArthur and R.C. Sproul was ba- debating baptism. You, you know that both of those men spent their entire lives studying the Word of God and they come to different convictions. It, you know what? It takes a bit of humility to say, you, you disagree with me? I don't know why. It's pretty clear to me in Scripture. But I, but I don't have to say, you, you, you're stupid. Why would you not believe this? It's clear, you're dumb if you don't believe this. That's pride. Do you know how many people there are who have studied more than you who disagree with you? It's not an issue of that they haven't put in the time. Yes, they've come to different convictions for different reasons. We don't know why. God is sovereign, not us. But we need humility even in how we address that. Listen, we're not talking about the world. We're talking about our brothers and sisters for whom Christ died. If you are tempted to slander your brother, remember that you are both spiritually poor beggars. Both equally in need of grace. And Christ loved you both enough to die for your sins. And even though you disagree with your brother, which is okay, Christ loved him enough to die for him. If Christ loved him in that way, can you not love him enough to not murder his name? To not slander him? If Christ thought it worth the while to die for this person, to sacrifice himself, to live for this person, is it not worth it to you to let his name live? To let her name live? By not slandering it. And lastly, does this not make us grateful for the grace of God that we heard about this morning? Maybe you have not murdered anyone physically, but how many names have you murdered over the years? Maybe to get ahead in life, to get ahead in in work, or just because you didn't like a person, or whatever the case may have been. Maybe, maybe in your mind, you, know, you, you really thought it was righteousness. This person needed, you know, we, we needed to warn others about this person. So we, 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 we went to slandering the person. How many times have we done that? But you say, I, I haven't, I haven't, you know, I, uh, it's just slander, right? It's not that bad. Thomas Watson said, better take away a man's life than his good name. By eclipsing his name, you bury him alive. It is an irreparable injury. Something will remain. How many of us are guilty of burying men alive? Though they still walk and talk today, their image, their character, their everything about them, their reputation, everything about them is ruined. Because of words we spoke. This is the devastation that slander causes. How many of us are guilty of this? But this should once again make us say, praise God for what? His abounding grace. Praise God that the, that the blood of Christ has been sufficient. That it has covered my, my sins of slander. Slander. 
for they are many. Praise God that, that even that is paid for on the cross. And if you don't know Christ today, consider this. Con- consider this sin of slander. Perhaps you've said, if, as long as I'm saying it with my words and not actually committing a physical sin, maybe it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's evil in God's eyes. It's an abomination in God's eyes. So let, let this be a, a, a clue to you to, that you need a Savior. You need a righteousness that is not your own. You need to trust in Christ for salvation because if you have committed this sin in God's eyes, you're worthy of his judgment. But he offers salvation through Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, how easy is it to open our mouths and unleash our tongues and murder murder people their reputations their 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 names their character Father we ask that you would forgive us for, for doing this and many of us over and over again we ask that you would help us to to, to have humility, a humility to not judge others critically, a humility to not slander, but that we would love our brothers and sisters and fulfill the law. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.